0: While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know we're for we're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong we're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers we're for the brightest boldest loneliest finest and most flawed among us and most importantly we're for you Uptown Church in the city for the city Okay, well good morning once again. I was reminded of this story from, gosh, what feels like so many years ago now. Um, my husband and I, we've been married for a little over a decade. Our anniversary is coming up. Woo. Yes. Um, we're making it. Yay. But I remember one of the first times that I met all of his friends Uh, It was at his friend Chris's wedding, and so I think my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, we were dating, I think he was taking me to this wedding so he could like test out the relationship in front of his friends and get their honest opinion, like is she the one, you know, has anyone felt like you've been in that spot with a relation, you're like, I know I'm going to this dinner to be tested. Well, I went to this weekend with all of his childhood friends, and it's my first time really getting to know any of them at Chris's wedding, and at the rehearsal dinner, they all get up like you do at a rehearsal dinner and start, you know, sharing toasts and memories from their childhood, you know, um, of Chris and just stories of their friendship and all the years together. And it was great. There were like 10 of them. So it was just story after story after story. And at one point, my husband looks over at me and, and no joke I'm like bawling. I'm like sobbing. And he was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, this is so beautiful. I just, you guys are the best. And he was like, oh my gosh. But what had happened in that moment for me is I was hearing these stories of their friendship and, you know, the soccer team when they were in high school and the youth group they all went to and the youth camps where many of them, like their faith was really galvanized. And the this conversations that they had had about navigating the ups and downs of their lives, parents getting divorced, parents getting diagnoses, you know, just dealing with all of the ups and downs and the heartbreaks, it just it, it painted this amazing picture of their friendship. But what also clicked for me, was just bits and pieces of my husband's own faith story and life story that I had just heard pieces of at at that point. And that is that his friends, this group of friends, he met them. He kind of came into the group as a high school student on the soccer team. And one day, This guy, Matt, invited him to go to a youth group with them that night. It was a Wednesday night, and there was some big event their church was doing. And and Matt told the guys, you know, Elliot seems cool. I think I'm going to invite Elliot to come to our youth group thing. I think there was like, you get your name in a drawing for like a free TV or something if you brought friends. Do we need to do that at Uptown? Um, Okay, yes, there you go, next week. Um, But there was like some incentive. And so Matt's like, you know, Elliot seems cool. I'll just invite him. He won't be weird about it. And so, but Matt was so nervous. He said like, he decided to do it and then like instantly regretted it, even as the words were coming out of his mouth on the soccer field, like, hey man, you want to go to church with me tonight? You know, and Elliot, on the flip side, you know, has told me he didn't know why he said yes. He was like, I never went to church in my life at that point. My parents weren't religious. And I hear I am saying yes to Matt to go to church with him. He's like, but that was the moment my entire life changed. He was like, I went to that church service. I heard about a God who was not judgmental, who was not out to get me, but a God who loved me. And Joy, my parents were in the middle of a divorce at that point, my whole world was falling apart. And to hear that someone saw me, knew me and cared about me and loved me, it wrecked me. And he's like, I went back to that youth group every single time the doors were open. If it was an event, if it was a service, I was there because the love of God just impacted and invaded my life in such a powerful way because of being involved in this community. And all of these guys at this wedding, not only were they the guys that invited him to church, but then they were the guys who would pick him up for church, who would encourage him in his faith. They were the people that he would turn to in his life. They were the people that became like his people, his community. In fact, this is a picture of them from last year. Oh, from last year, they are still friends, like the best of friends to this day. My husband's in the middle. That's them at a beach uh, last year because every single year these guys get together for um, what they call dudes retreat. And at dudes retreat, they don't just like hang out in cool places. These guys get together and they pray for each other they give life updates. They say, what struggles are you going through? What's happening in your life? How can we support you in this next year? They provide accountability. They text each other every day, <laughs> every day, no joke. But these were the people that starting in high school till uh, to now, my husband in his 40s, have impacted his life and shown him what Jesus is all about, and what faith is all about. And you know, when I think about people's faith stories that I have the privilege of hearing, your faith stories of how they came to know that God is with them, that God is for them, oftentimes what I hear from people is the same sort of story. There was that one person that came into my life at just the right time, and without them, Without them being a part of my life, my kind of community, I don't know where I would be today. Maybe you have somebody like that. Maybe it was that friend, you know, that maybe that person you were even reluctant to become friends with or that first boss or mentor you had that showed you the ropes in your career and mentored and guided you along the way and just truly cared for you. Maybe it was your parents or a family member that was that way for you. But when I hear about people who have incredible, dynamic faith and thus full, meaningful lives, usually what they talk about is not the what's, the what things, the, the items that they did to build their faith, but rather they talk about a bunch of who's a bunch of people, persons that in their life influence them and shape them. So when we talk about what makes for a full, meaningful life, maybe that's one of the keys. Maybe the people in your life matter more so even than what you can do to build your faith and build your life. We're in part three of our series, Faithful, and the whole premise of this series is asking ourselves the question, how can we live a meaningful, full life in a world that is insistent, insistent on running on empty? How can we get off the rat race, get off of the scripts that we've been given about being stressed, busy and overwhelmed and truly live a life that is worth living. Because we believe as people of faith, we believe as people who follow Jesus, that the goal of our life is not simply about what we do, what we gain, and some cool places we can go. But that the measure of our life is always about the person that we are, and who God is making us to be. And that everything that we do stems out of that, that that's truly a life that is full and meaningful, one that's not defined by a bunch of do's and what's, but is defined by faith. And really, when you think about it, if you look at Scripture, if you look at the life of Jesus, following Jesus is truly the antidote to the narratives that our world gives us for what it means to be a full life, to live a full life. I mean, you're told at your job, as long as you climb the corporate ladder, make more money, and get more prestige, life is good. But it often leaves you empty, stressed, and sometimes at the top, but very alone. Or we're told, you know what, you're happy if you can keep up with the Joneses, keep up appearances, look good, and have the stuff. But then we look good on the outside and feel empty and broken and depleted on the inside. Or we're told, just add one more thing to your schedule. If you just keep yourself busy enough and distracted enough, you, won't, you just won't realize how miserable you actually are. That, those are the scripts that we're often given in the world for what it means to live a full life. But faith, Faith is the counterbalance to that or the antidote to that sort of living because most of us know where that sort of living ends up. My guess is that's why you're in a place like this on Sunday morning instead of just out getting brunch is because you know there's more to your life And so faith offers us this alternative to all of the other scripts that we're given. So when we truly build a life around our faith and a confidence in God, we actually have a shot at living a meaningful whole life. One we don't regret at the end because we all will get somewhere in life, but very few of us will get somewhere on purpose and somewhere that we're very proud to be. But how, how do we live a life built around our faith? So many of us have been given this idea that faith is simply what you believe or it's just about the things that you do. But but we know from what we see of Jesus, Jesus didn't say, believe a bunch of things. Jesus didn't say, hey, join that religious group over there. Jesus said, follow me follow me, become like me, put your confidence in me, that that's the essence of what it means to build a life around your faith. And so we believe that following Jesus will make your life better because in following Jesus, it makes you better at life. It gives you those tools to live a meaningful life. And so in in building our faith, We think there are really a few things around here that you can do that will fuel and facilitate the development of this sort of enduring faith. That it's not some secret, it's not some elusive thing out there that hopefully you get it if you go to church enough, but that there are actually practical things that you can do that when you do them time and time again in every season and every stage of your life, they seem to to work in building your faith and thus building up your life. And so what fuels and facilitates enduring faith is what I like to call faith catalyst. Doesn't that just sound very epic? Faith catalyst. Because they're not just habits. They're not just to-do lists or personal devotional items. The things we're looking at in this series are really dynamics. They're almost like if you've heard of keystone habits, that when you do these sorts of things, they kind of set off a ripple effect in other areas of your life. And last week, Chelsea Petticord, one of my good friends, she preached on the first faith catalyst and that idea of being involved in personal ministry. The whole idea that your faith does not become personal to you until it becomes participatory. That you can say you believe a lot of things you can even go to church but until you trust god and step out of out in faith and participate in the work of god in the world faith doesn't really become super personal for you and when you begin to trust god in this way following god's leading to maybe serve others to maybe serve at church to maybe talk to that friend at work and share your faith experience you your confidence in God builds because you have to trust that God meets your efforts because you often can't control the results. So your faith is not in what happens, the outcome. Your faith is just in following Jesus and that God will do what only God can do with your faithfulness. And so one of these first faith catalysts is this idea of personal ministry. Your faith does not become personal until it becomes participatory. But the second thing, and I'm going to spend our last couple minutes here talking about, is this idea that God puts in our lives providential relationships as a catalyst to grow up and blow up our faith. That often the people in our lives are the things God uses most to change our lives and to help us live full lives, to live the lives God has called us to. Now, I called it providential. One, because I like alliteration. Anybody else? Easier to remember if they all have the same letter. But honestly, providential in the sense of that these are not just relationships that you just kind of maybe got stuck with, or just relationships, um, like, person you meet in the store, though it could be the person you meet in the store, but that there's something God is doing behind the scenes, that even something you can't see. Maybe not providential in the sense of God makes you meet that person, but they're providential in the sense of that they're so important and so catalytic in your life. It's as if God was making it happen or as if God was right in the middle of it. And often what we find out, but usually after the fact, is that there was the hand of God in it. And there's this incredible story that gets at this axiom for this faith catalyst. Because faith does not become personal for us until people get involved. It's gotta get participatory. You gotta serve. You gotta get out there and start doing the work of God in the world to build your faith. But the second like it is until people will get involved in it until your faith becomes populated by others. It doesn't really become personal to you. And we see this all throughout the New Testament. And there's this one incredible story in the book of Acts in which a follower of Jesus, one of Jesus's disciples, Philip, meets a man. And it's this total providential encounter. There's no way in which these two men would have met each other except they wind up on the same road traveling. And this is what happens. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road that goes to Gaza. So he started out on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now he was an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen. Now this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So that's why he is in this area. That's why he's near Philip. He's gone to Jerusalem to worship. And now we get the sense he's going back to Egypt. And on his way traveling, God leads him to meet Philip. And he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah from the Hebrew um, prophet and the Hebrew scripture. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, I love this. It says, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. He didn't just mosey on over. It says he ran, like he went with haste. And there's something that Philip knows that maybe he doesn't know, but he kind of knows. You know, when you know something is important, but you don't know why. That's where Philip's at. And so he goes over immediately and he hears the man reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I love this story. I love it because it seems so random. And like one you could just pass over and get to the next thing, the next Jesus miracle or the next Jesus story. But it is this prime example of how God uses people providentially in our lives to impact us, to transform us, and to change us. There's no way these two men, like I said, would have ever met elsewhere except they happened to be traveling on the same road. Philip has this nudge and so he just he listens he goes he knows in following Jesus that when you feel the spirit leading you just you jump in and so he does And he meets this man who's trying to understand his faith, who's trying to engage with God, who needs something else in his life. He didn't grow up in church. He, it was from Egypt. He didn't grow up like Philip did in the Jewish faith tradition out of which Christianity was born. He's probably not even a very religious man, but here he is at this critical moment in his life, seeking something else, needing something more. And so he's pursuing God and trying to understand God and can't. And so Philip comes into his life. God brings Philip into his life. And Philip explains to him, this is what the scripture is about. It's all about Jesus. Let me tell you, let me introduce you to who Jesus is. And it transforms and changes his whole life. If you continue to read the story, he says, I I will follow Jesus This is the answer I have been longing for. And he says, can I get baptized right now? So Philip takes him to the river by the road and baptizes him immediately. And his life is forever changed. The cool thing in this story is it's not just this man's life that has changed. We're told that he is an assistant to the queen. He's over her entire treasury. So he's very important in this kingdom that she runs. And the author didn't just put that in there to be like, this dude has been successful in his career. It's an important detail in this story because now we know that whatever has gone on in this man's life, it is now going out and rippling to an entirely new territory of people that have not yet heard the good news of Jesus. So not only has this chance encounter changed this man's life, but it has forever changed everybody he will engage with here after. Friends, God uses people in our lives And it's not by accident oftentimes that we meet the people that we meet. Maybe you have a story like my husband where you can say, oh yeah, I had that one time. That's totally true in my life. Or maybe you can say, I don't know if that's been true in my life. But I can tell you this, often the way God wants to move in your life, often the way God wants to transform your life is through sometimes the most wonderful and maybe uncomfortable encounter of relationship with other people. And in fact, if you read Jesus's encounters all throughout the New Testament, Jesus was the very, very best at this. He was constantly traveling about teaching and ministering, but he would encounter people along the way, Encounter people that he wasn't even supposed to encounter and talk to as a respectable Jewish rabbi. But every time he did, not only was that person completely changed, but we're even told Jesus was changed. There's something that happens in encounter, something that God can only do if we will open ourselves up today. So I wanna close with this. This idea all throughout the New Testament, it's called love of stranger or phyloxenia. It's where we get our word today, hospitality. It comes from this Greek um, collection of words. And oftentimes what we're taught is xenophobia, fear of stranger, In our world. And we see that in our headlines: violence happening, um, misunderstanding happening in our world that leads to chaos because fearing others. But the New Testament is all about the heart of Jesus was all about this idea of love of stranger. That when you open your heart, when you open your mind to whoever God will bring about in your life, to whatever encounters. God could possibly use in your life that you the fear of stranger begins to melt away. And isn't that really something not only we need in our personal lives, but something our entire world needs? We live in this world that often we say it again and again because it's true and still true. We I seem so divided, so angry, so conflicted, And yet the way of Jesus, the way of faith is the idea of loving those we haven't even met yet because we believe that not only will they show us something about what it means to live a faith-filled life and thus a full life, but they will show us God himself, that in a stranger, in another, we can actually encounter and get a glimpse of who God is. So this week, I want to challenge you. If you want to build your faith and build a full life, ask yourself these questions. How am I positioning myself to be impacted by others? Do I stay in my bubble? Do I just talk to the people I already know? Or am I putting myself in a place where I can encounter new people? People who may not look like me, people who may not think like me, people I wouldn't maybe be inclined to talk to. But if... I was just open and willing God might use. What things are you choosing to participate in? And then on the flip side, how are you allowing God to position you to make an impact on others? Are you open to that encounter at Starbucks, not just being about the coffee you get? Are you open to like Philip, when you feel the spirit nudge you to go over and maybe, just maybe, God, do something? How are you opening yourself up to others around you? And then finally, who has God already used in your life to grow your faith and fill you up? Because chances are there's at least maybe one person in most of our lives. And have you told them, I wouldn't be who I am today without you. Thank you. Have you given thanks to God for them and said, God, thank you so much. You worked through. One of my people is Alan. I often thank God. God, thank you for Alan. If it were not for Alan, I would not be in ministry. Thank you. And then be like them. Whatever they did for you, go do for somebody else. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.